Everything you need, everything you need, everything you 
Thank you, Truett McConnell Singers. We'll be hearing more from them throughout the service and then in a concert this evening. Will you join me in prayer? Father, as we gather here in your house, we thank you that, that you have opened up your heavens and poured not just blessings out, but you have poured yourself out in Jesus and his presence among us here today. Father, speak to us, teach us, encourage us, and lead us into a, a deeper, closer walk with you. And whatever hinders that, what's keeping that from happening, Father, remove it and open our hearts and our lives to what you want to do. So hear our songs and prayers and praises and receive them as our sacrifice out of love for our Lord and Savior in whose name we pray. Amen. Hello and welcome to First Baptist Church Tipton. My name is Mary Claire Rains. I'm involved in the children's ministry here. I'm a GA teacher as well as a nursery coordinator and we're thrilled to have you with us today. We're thrilled that you've joined us to be part of our television audience. We hope that you'll grab your Bible, that you'll sing along, and that you'll follow as Brother Wayne brings us today's message. We do have counselors standing by. If you have some prayer needs or you have some questions about First Baptist Church or about becoming a Christian, you can call the church at 382-6063 or you can visit the website at www.fbctifton.org. Once again, we do thank you for joining us and we hope to see you here one day.
All right, everybody have a seat. Hey, boys and girls, how are y'all this morning? Good. I'm so glad you are in church today. I know Sunday school is it raining outside, but it's important to be here. Um, seems like it rains every Sunday. And last week it was daylight savings time and spring break day. So if you want an excuse not to come, it's not, easy, it's not hard to find one. But I'm so glad that y'all didn't let anything keep you from being in God's house today to worship him. I think Ross Tanner has a Happy Club bag. Ross, man, what you got in that bag today, buddy? Let's see what he brought. What is this? Darth Vader. Ross, I am your father. <laughs> what is he? Pull his little head off. It's a, is it a panda bear? Tell me more about him. It's got a light. Is that a lightsaber? Does it work? Oh, put it in his hand. What's it do? Put the string around his hand. Okay. The other way. Looks like a carrot. You sure he's not eating the carrot? It's a lightsaber, okay. Oh, light, carrots are orange, this lightsaber's red. Thank you, okay. Tell me about, what's his name? Cody. Cody, tell me about Cody, the, the panda that's dressed up like Darth Vader. Did you buy him? You didn't? What, did somebody hand him to you? No. You made him from Build-A-Bear. Oh, that's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, his lightsaber fell off. Thank you. Well, Ross, what, what this reminds me is, what did he look like when you, when you first went to the store? His stomach was flat. He didn't have any outfit, didn't have any boots, didn't have any vest or cape or cover on his head. But you, you made him from scratch? Pretty much made him everything he is, right? Say yes. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> well, Ross, that's kind of like what God does for us. When God comes, he takes us and he builds us and he makes us from nothing. And so every one of you is different. Boys and girls, have you ever seen anybody that looks exactly like you or talks exactly like you or thinks exactly like you? No, there's nobody else in the whole world like you. God made every one of you special and he made every one of you to do something special for him. So Ross made Cody, a panda that looks like Darth Vader from, from scratch, from nothing and put the stuffing in him and put the cape and hood and boots and lightsaber and gave him everything. And God does that for us. So what we have to do is love and serve God because he has given us everything. So boys and girls, let's pray right now and ask God to, to help us love and serve him for making us the way he did. You ready? Let's pray. I'll pray and you pray after me. Dear God, thank you for making us special. Help us to love you 
and to use the gifts that you've given us for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Ross, man, here's your Cody, Darth Vader, Panda Bear. You can put his little hood back on. And I need to give the Happy Club bag to a girl, don't I, Miss Sabina? Shelby. Shelby. Yo, we take the Happy Club bag? She already had it. She's already had it? Have you had it? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Is she telling the truth? Okay, all right. Boys and girls, you can go with Miss Sabina to children's worship if you'd like. to me is a very unique school in that the faculty and staff desire to have a personal relationship with their students. The curriculum that I've been taught here has been invaluable to my spiritual growth and I feel very equipped to um, interpret the Bible correctly and disciple others. It was 27 years ago, just gosh, four days ago I guess or so that I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because of a young man who shared Jesus Christ with me and invited me to every event you could imagine in a Southern Baptist church, and that hasn't left me. 27 years ago today or so, and at Truett McConnell today, we've just passed some measures now where each and every student can major, hopefully within the fall of 2010, but most definitely already passed minor in missions, global missions, take their concentration in missions regardless of their degree, so that while we're calling many of them to be educators, historians, businessmen, and the like, every single one of them are called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Kurt McConnell was really not on my radar for schools and playing ball, but God moved in my heart and led me here, and I felt a peace about that. Since then, he's used the professors and the faculty and staff to um, help mold me into the person that I want to be as far as a follower of Christ is concerned. And since then, he's called me to preach and uh, to pastor, I believe. With that, I believe that that Truett McConnell has has helped me in becoming that man of God that uh, God desires me to be. I've made some awesome friends since I've been at Truett McConnell College. Um, They've been, I've just met some really amazing Christian people who have really invested into my life. Um, And in the dorms, we just have a really good time and um, we just have fun together. And I think friendships and the relationships that I've made here have really been what have made my experience at Troop McConnell so great. Um, And I just know that they're friendships that will last a lifetime. Let me just make one promise that I hope I can fulfill in my frailty. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, if someone's going to go to hell, let them leap over our bodies and let no one go there unwarned for or unprayed for. However you choose to send your students, if you choose to send them to uh, Troop McConnell College, I promise you I'll teach them to wrap their arms around the knees of the lost to share Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege of serving at True McConnell College. Sixteen says to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I have to tell you, I am thrilled to be hosting this group today with a group of friends that uh, some of us have just made acquaintance 
But these young people are in training to be church musicians and to do just that very thing. And there's a group of faculty here with them that is training them, and I want to introduce them. Dr. John Davis, right up here. Dr. Ben Caston. Dr. Mark Crawford, right over here. Dr. Jose Garcia. Dr. Chris Costigan. And we are delighted to have them with us today. And they're going to lead us, continue to lead us in worship now.
Have you felt the urgency, the call of Lord calls to tell the good news? Let's, uh, let's read uh, Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 13, and 14, and 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How, they, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this freedom we gather together in your house to worship you, to praise you. Father, thank you for this uh, a country. We can have this freedom just to, to hear your voice and to respond to your call. Father, we're just here just uh, at this time, uh, I worship, Father, to uh, just let us to, to come down to hear your call. Either we called to, co- to go to preach or we called to, to support financially, Father. But just let us never take, uh, just pray that uh, us never take this for granted, Father, because you called us to go to tell the good news, because everyone has this opportunity to hear and respond your call to, and to be saved. Father, because we do not know when our Lord Jesus will come back. Father, also I pray for this country continue to be the light on the hill. Also, Father, I pray for each one of us that uh, to feel this call, to feel this uh, urgency of your call, also feel the pain you are on the cross, Father, and because we do not know when you come. Also, Father, I pray for each one of us whenever we fall short of your glory, Father, just lift us up to continue to live, to tell the good news until the day we're coming home. All the day, Lord, you coming back. In his name I pray. Amen.
Thank you so much, Truett McConnell, for being here, for leading us in worship, <clears throat> preparing us so beautifully. Like John said, this is not a short trip from Cleveland to Tifton, but uh, we are in your debt. We had Amir Kaner here last summer, I think in our July, uh, Sunday night on Monday series, and uh, did a great job, so we're proud of the job he's doing there at Truett McConnell. We are in a series on the seven things Jesus said about himself in the Gospel of John. Seven I am sayings. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. Last week I am the good shepherd. And today we're going to look at I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the conclusion of that verse says, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
It's found in uh, John 14, verses 1 through 7, and there is uh, an outline in your worship bulletin to follow along. But John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas is assuming that there's some path you can walk down. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Also, henceforth you know him and have seen him. These verses to me are the crux of the gospel, the very heart of the gospel message. What do they mean for us today? Let's bow together. Father, as we gather faithfully on a Sunday morning while it's raining, we just thank you for the privilege and the freedom and the opportunity we have to be here. We pray for those folks watching by television, perhaps hindered by health or transportation or some other reason. And Father, whatever we need to do in our hearts to make things right between you and us, help us do that today because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And you are the only path to the Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me set the context for you uh, for these sayings that Jesus said at the beginning of John 14. You probably heard the story about the, the man who was hanging from a suspension bridge high above a river preparing to jump and another man was passing by and went over to where he was and said, hey buddy, let's talk about it. Things can't possibly be that bad. And they talked about it. And things were that bad and so they both jumped. It's funny that funnier the second time around, isn't it? No, okay. <laughs> well, that pretty well summarizes the situation for the disciples here at the beginning of John 14. Things could not have gotten much worse for them. In John 13, Jesus exposed their selfishness and pride by washing their feet. Then he told them in verse 21 of chapter 13 that one of them would betray him. And then he tells them in verse 33 that he is going away and where he's going, they will not follow. They cannot follow. And then at the end of chapter 13, he looks Simon Peter in the eye and tells him that he, the rock, is the one who's going to betray him. And all the while, the religious leaders are plotting over on the side to kill Jesus and the disciples know it. It was a desperate time and a desperate situation. So when chapter 14 opens, the disciples are troubled and Jesus is aware of it. The word trouble means agitated, confused, anxious, worried. And that's what the situation was for the disciples. They didn't know what to expect. They knew something was getting ready to happen and things were changing, but they didn't understand what. Their world was falling apart before their eyes. And so Jesus comes and he comforts them. He's going to remind them of all that they have. Most importantly, they have him. When your world is falling apart, friends, as long as you have Jesus, 
He's all you need. So in these series of seven I Am sayings of Jesus, this morning is the heart of the gospel. Jesus said, you have all these other religions and beliefs that point you to the way, convince you of the truth, and offer you life. Well, I am, Jesus says, the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what does that mean? Well, let's break it down. First of all, Jesus said the path, I am the way. And what's really interesting about this, this verse, I am the way, is that Christians and non-Christians alike picked up on this idea of Jesus being the way. It was a totally new, totally unique way of looking at things. There were other religions, other beliefs in that day, and they all had a name, but there was no name for these followers of Jesus this early in Christianity. So the followers of Jesus early on became called people of the way, identifying themselves with Jesus. You might not have ever caught this, but just a few references in, in the book of Acts identifies them as people of the way. Looks like Acts 9-2. Saul asked them for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to, what? The way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul was looking for followers of Christ. They were called people of the way. Move over to Acts 19, verse 9. When some were stubborn and disbelieved, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, taking the disciples with him and argued daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Verse 23, about that time there arose no little stir concerning the way. 22.4, it goes on and on. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. 2414, and this will be my last one. But this I admit to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law or written in the prophets. As a matter of fact, those of you who are my age or a little older, you remember about 30 or 40 years ago, there was a Bible that came out that was actually called The Way. It was a green paperback uh, Bible and it was very popular in my generation. It was identifying folks with followers of Christ. And what I like about Jesus identifying himself as the way is he didn't point us to a path and tell us to go down it. He didn't say if you head over in that direction and keep going, everything will be all right. He simply said, I am the way. Now you pick up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? It means we don't have to go anywhere without Jesus. If he said, you head over there while I remain over here, then there'd be a, a widening gap between us. He never says that. Instead, he simply says, I am the way. Walk with me. Follow me. I will always be by your side. I will never desert you. Jesus is the way. So as long as you stay close to him, friends, you're going to be on the right path. One of the writings I kept on my desk through college and seminary as I was seeking God's will for my life was a little poem called Step by Step. And it goes like this. 
He does not lead me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds, the Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know, I only know this minute, but he will say, this is the way, by faith, now walk ye in it. Jesus says, this is the way. Now I understand better that he actually says, I am the way. By faith, now walk ye in it. Jesus is the way, the path. He's also the truth, the proposition. So many religions are all about propositions that you have to adhere to or sign on for. Here's a list of requirements. Believe this, do this, say this. If you adhere to these truths, if you sign on to these beliefs, you can become a member of our religion. This body is the the material of our truth. Here are the concepts which you must study and memorize. These are our truths, and as long as you adhere to them, you can be part of our faith. But Jesus doesn't point to a list of truths and say, believe this. Instead, he comes along and simply says, I am the truth. It's mind-boggling. Truth is not a propositional list of things you have to believe or adhere to. Truth is what? It's a person. Truth is a person. Think about what that means. What are the implications of that? Let me give you an example. The disciples are out in the boat one day, and it's a storm, and Jesus is asleep in the stern. And if you want to come up to those disciples in that boat, in that storm, and ask them, what is the truth of this situation? What would they say? We're perishing. This storm is going to take us down. We're about to be swamped by these waves. Well, was that the truth? No. Truth is asleep in the back of the boat. Truth is a person. Do you see the difference? Jesus is teaching on the mountainside one day, and there are 5,000 hungry people, plus women and children. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, we need to feed these people, but all we have are these five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? The truth is, they don't have enough food to feed everybody. But is that really the truth? No. Truth is a person, and truth takes hold of those five loaves and two fish and multiplies them so that there are 12 baskets full left over. Never judge a situation by a set of circumstances as being the truth because it's never the truth until Jesus, who is the truth, gets finished with it. Henry Blackaby in Experiencing God says, you never know the final truth about any situation until you have heard from the truth. And truth is not a what, truth is a who. Jesus. Say that with me. Truth is a who. It sounds weird, doesn't it? It's different. As a result, you can never determine the truth of any situation simply by looking at the circumstances. Don't ever evaluate your situation until you have heard from the truth. Jesus didn't say he would teach you the truth or lead you in the truth or convince you of the truth. He just said, I am the truth. He is the way. The path, he is the truth, the proposition. Finally, Jesus said, I am the life, which is the promise. Think about what it means when Jesus says, I am the life. When God gives you eternal life, 
He's not giving you something. He's giving you himself. And not just a portion of himself, not just 5% of himself. He gives you all of himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He is offering you a relationship with a person, Jesus. So when you receive Jesus, who is life, you receive life. When you receive life, you receive Jesus. The moment you become a Christian, Jesus doesn't give you something. He gives you someone. He gives you himself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So how many other ways, truths, and lives are there? How many other ways are there to get to heaven? Well, Jesus didn't say, I am a way, a truth, a life. I am one of many ways, truths, or lives. He said, I am the way, the truth, the, the only way, the only truth, the only life. And if he had stopped there, Somehow, we might have been able to finagle things to incorporate Christianity into the religious mix and add one more road leading to Rome or heaven. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to add, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said a lot of difficult things to understand in his ministry. He said, he who is last will be first. He who is first will be last. Whoever would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. He said, I will destroy this temple of God and in three days raise it up again. Sayings like this leave people scratching their heads. But this saying of Jesus where he said, no man cometh unto the Father but my me, has to be the most difficult, the most politically incorrect saying Jesus ever uttered. The religious leaders didn't just leave scratching their heads. They left beating their breast and tearing their clothing. Years ago, somebody gave me a little story to try to encourage ecumenical worship, and it goes like this. A story of five men are sitting around a pot-bellied stove in an old store arguing about which is the right religion, which offers the greatest assurance of salvation, which is the best pathway to heaven. It was a fruitless discussion because none of them could ever agree. So finally they looked at a wise old fellow who had been sitting over in a corner listening. And he said, gentlemen, when the cotton is picked, there are several roads to get it to the gin. We can take the northern route. It is longer, but the road is better. Or we could take the southern route. It's shorter, but it has more potholes. Or we could go over the mountains, even though they're more perilous. When we reach the gin, though, the man doesn't ask us which way we came by. He simply asks, brother, how good is your cotton? It reminds me of the saying, all roads lead to Rome, which in the days of the Roman Empire were probably true because Rome was the hub of everything. But the problem is this has absolutely nothing to do with going to heaven. So the real question is, do all roads really lead to heaven? Do all roads really get us to that big cotton gin in the sky, I guess? And the answer, according to Jesus, is no. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there's no way you can square that with any other religion. Christianity is different from every other religion in the world. It's unique because every other religion tells you what you have to do to climb up to get to God. 
Christianity tells you how God climbed down to get to you. It's totally opposite. And that's why Jesus is the only way, because Jesus and Jesus alone offers forgiveness of sins by his atoning sacrifice on the cross. No other religion offers you that. They tell you what you can do to earn your salvation. They tell you what you can do to be made righteous if you just work hard enough, if you just do enough good works. Christianity tells you that you can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. You cannot earn enough merit badges to qualify for salvation. And here's the good news of the gospel is you don't have to. God knew you couldn't do it. And so he sent Jesus down to earth to die for you on the cross. You can't do it, but Jesus has already done it. So are Christians just being narrow-minded by insisting that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Well, we are if there are many ways to heaven and we're just saying that Jesus is the best, but that's not what we're saying. We're saying that there was a penalty that had to be paid for our sins and only Jesus did that for us on the cross and only belief in Jesus and his atoning work on the cross will get you to heaven. No one else has ever done that. No one else ever could do that. There are no other paths to heaven. <clears throat> Let me give you an example that I like from Lee Strobel, who was uh, a Christian apologist. A church member has a newborn baby who develops jaundice. A liver condition fairly common with newborns. The skin turns a little yellow because the liver hasn't completely kicked in yet. They take the child to the doctor and the doctor diagnoses it accurately and tells them what's wrong and what they need to do to cure it. They said all we need to do is put this baby under a special light and it will stimulate the liver function. And that light will cure the baby. And the parents are sitting there and they're listening and they're thinking, wait a minute. This sounds a little too easy. This is crazy. All we got to do is put our baby under a light? I don't think so. We're going to take our baby home and scrub it real hard with soap and water, maybe put a little bleach in it and see if we can get that yellow out. If we just work hard enough, I bet we can get our baby back to normal color. What would the doctor say to that? You're an idiot. There's only one way to cure jaundice. And, and the parents say, oh, doctor, don't be silly. Don't be so narrow-minded. Your truth is not our truth. We sincerely believe if we act on our truth that everything will turn out okay. And the doctor said, if you do that, you're going to jeopardize the life of your child. There's only one way to cure this baby. I know you don't believe me because it sounds too easy, but look at those credentials hanging on the wall. I've studied at med school. This is what works. I've done it hundreds of times with other babies. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Are those parents being narrow-minded if they trust their doctor with his credentials and experience and choose the only course of treatment that will cure their daughter of jaundice? Is that being narrow-minded? Of course not. That is acting rationally in accordance with the evidence. And it's the same thing with our faith in Jesus as the only way to heaven. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, says Jesus, He's not being narrow-minded or exclusive. He is simply the doctor telling the patient the only cure for sin is his death 
on the cross. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You didn't deserve it. No other religion teaches this truth. There is no other path to heaven, no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved but the name of Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's not just showing us the way to salvation. He is giving us himself. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That's why if you want to be saved and have fellowship with God, there can be no other way. Shall we bow? God, I guess if you hadn't sent Jesus to die for us on the cross, we'd still be trying to find some way to climb to heaven. Whether building a tower like they did in Babel or doing as many good works as we possibly can, hoping that our goodness is better than someone else's and, and in the end the, the scales will balance and, and we'll get in somehow. But none of that has to do anything with salvation. Father, one sin offends you and your holiness and your righteousness. One sin separates us from you and keeps us out of heaven. And we couldn't fix it, no matter how hard or how long or how desperate we tried. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and offer atonement for our sins once and for all. And if we'll confess those sins, profess our faith and trust in Jesus to save us and believe that he is the only way to heaven and invite him in to be our Lord and Savior. You will forgive us and cleanse us and give us eternal life. It's not one of many ways, it's the only way. Help us trust and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Troy McConnell is going to sing an invitation for us. We're going to stand and worship. If you have a decision to make, you come forward. I'll be at the front. Professing your faith, if you've done so privately, you need to share that publicly. You don't need to be ashamed of what God's done for you. If you need to join our church, if you need to rededicate your life, if you have another decision to come, you're welcome to come and kneel and pray, whatever. We will receive you and we will rejoice with you and we'll, we'll pray for you. So you come while we stand and sing and worship. You come. Let's stand together.